Well, again, good morning. Uh, again, nice having every one of you. If you don't mind, as I usually do, I like to have a prayer right before we begin. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for being in your house and, uh, and be having the privilege to stand before your people and present the messages that you have given to your people. Lord. There's nothing new that I ever share. It's only the messages that you have given to your remnant people, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit be here. Please give me clarity of thought. I pray that the people's hearts will be uh, open to hear the message and that there'll be no distractions. I pray that they'll, if there's any sins in our lives, Lord, I pray that you may forgive them, that your presence may be here, and also that you may transform us into your beautiful image and your character. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is this loud enough? It needs to go up a little bit. Okay. It's okay? All right. All right, so um, the title of the sermon today is The Time of the End. Now, how many believe we're in the time of the end? Yeah, there's no question about that. Do you know that there's actually a date, that there's a date in prophecy that tells us that we are living in the time of the end? And I'd be just out of curiosity, if you know what that date is, let me just see a raise of hand. So the date in which the time of the end, end began. Okay. So then I hope that you'll learn something really good today. You actually knew. You just forgot, believe it or not. But that's the reason why I thought it would be a good time to refresh ourselves on the time of the end. And when did it actually start? And I find this subject very interesting. So there's a lot to share with you in this presentation. So I really want you to see the text. I don't like just getting up here and just telling you stuff. I'd rather show you everything that I show you from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And I want to give you this. And that's what I'm going to show you today. In fact, we're going to look at two things. We're going to, I'm going to show you both biblically and through the spirit of prophecy when the time of the end actually began. And I'm also... <laughs> Satan really doesn't want you to hear this, I think, today, so... Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna do it anyways. All right, is that better? Can you hear me now? Okay. All right. So also, I'm gonna start a prophetic timeline, and the next time I do a sermon, I'm gonna show you where we are prophetically, exactly where we are in time on a prophetic timeline. But I can only start that today. But today's focus is when did the time of the end beginning? Now, Adventists, the historical Adventists, have always believed, I'm going to tell you right up front, that um, the time of the end began in 1798. And I'm going to show you why is that and how that came to be. And so today I'll answer both of those questions. As I said before, I'll be using both the Bible and the spirit of prophecy to answer those questions. When we normally share people, especially new people who are coming into the church, and we tell them to kind of give an idea of where we are in time. We're all very familiar with Daniel chapter 2 and the statue of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. But when you actually look at the, and this course, you know, I know that people, there might be some new people here who may not be aware of all this. I will study it with you in detail. But mo almost anybody who's an Adventist knows Daniel chapter 2 so well. I mean, how many times have we heard it? Thousands? I mean, literally thousands of times. So, but in Daniel chapter 2, it gives us a broad view of when Jesus is coming. So those that are new, just sort of briefly. So uh, in, in Daniel chapter 2, a king called Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. 
and Nebuchadnezzar was showed the four world empires that would happen, and then the dividing of the last, well, the fourth world empire, and then Jesus would come. So it actually tells us from the time of history, from the time of Babylon, all the way to the second coming of Christ. So that's the broad view. But, the, but although that's the broad view, it doesn't tell us when the time of the end began. And I know, again, I'm preaching to the choir, uh, so you already know the head of gold was Babylon. We know that the chest of silver was Medo-Persia. That was the next world empire. And anybody who doubts this can go back in the history books and you can see it. The third empire upon the world was Greece and the thigh of bronze. And finally, the fourth world empire was uh, Rome or the Lakes of Iron, if you know. And then Rome um, fell apart on its own. It wasn't conquered by another kingdom. And it divided into the ten kingdoms of Europe today. Now, some people might be wondering, well, I thought the United States is a world empire. But we're not. We're a superpower, a world empire is a country that actually rules the known world at that time. And Rome was the last world empire. Now we have superpowers, but no longer do we have world empires. So when Rome separated or it fell apart on its own, it divided into 10 kingdoms. And again, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but again, just to share those with uh, who may not be aware. So. What Rome fell apart in the Visigoths, they were tribes, eventually they became Spain. Uh, the Anglo-Saxons is kind of a familiar name. Uh, they be, of the tribe, they became England, Franks became France, Alamanni became Germany, the Burgundians became Switzerland, the Lombards become Italy, Sivai, Portugal, and there were three other kingdoms, if you were the Heruli, the Ostrogoths, and the Vandals, but they were actually destroyed uh, in, by Rome. And we'll get into that. So here's the question for you. Again, does Daniel chapter 2 tell us when 1798 or tell us that it was the, the time of the end? It doesn't, does it? It just gives us, again, a broad view and a broad view only. But again, again, just to share this, I know, I know you know it. But again, for those who don't, I'm going to read here in the box. You see over here Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. And it talks about the rock that's cut out without hands. Now, who's the rock? There's no doubt. We're talking about the second coming of Christ. And the Bible reads that in the days of these kings, that means divided Rome, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And it says, as you saw, the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So is this prophecy going to happen? There is no question about it. The Bible is absolutely clear in, on that. So in Daniel chapter 2, uh, and the fourth world empires, as we already talked about, is described as metal. But in, when you go to Daniel chapter 7, uh, these kingdoms are talked about many times in the chapter of Daniel, and even in Revelation, as you know. But in Daniel chapter 7, these same four world empires are described as beasts or animals, Okay. Then in Daniel chapter 7, verse 7, the fourth kingdom, which was pagan Rome, okay, is described as a dreadful beast with ten horns. So Rome never really changed. It went from a world empire, and all it did was fall apart into ten world empires. But Rome still existed, which is the reason why the feet is made up of iron as well. And it says, and I saw in the night vision, behold, a fourth beast, okay, dreadful and terrible, strong exceedingly. Who was the fourth beast? Rome, right? And it had iron teeth. 
It devoured and break in pieces. It stamped the residue with the feet of it. It was diverse, meaning it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, we already know who this is. The fourth kingdom is, is pagan Rome, which we, again, fell apart into ten kingdoms. We know that because the feet are made of iron. This beast had teeth of iron, and we're already told it's the fourth kingdom. And, of course, uh, and when, of course, when the legs are iron, they were a world empire, and they fell apart, became the feet, they were mixed of uh, iron and clay. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 17 and 23, Daniel plainly tells us that a beast is a kingdom. Again, I know that you know that. I'm sharing that with people who aren't aware. The Bible tells us these great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall arise of the earth. The fourth kingdom shall be the fourth king upon the earth. And then it says in Daniel chapter 8, chapter verse 5, and you see the verses there, we are told that the horns represent a king or kingdom. Anybody that is a king must have a kingdom. So these ten horns are ten kingdoms. And I already read to you who those ten kingdoms were, the Spain, the Ostrogoths, the Lombards, the Anglo-Saxons. And as we have already shown, the pagan Rome again divided into ten. It's interesting that you have ten toes of the statue. You see the iron, the legs are of iron, but yet you still see the iron mixed with the feet. So it's very clear that Rome never went away. It just no longer became a world empire. But then something very interesting we're told in prophecy happens when Rome is divided into this ten kingdom state. And this is what Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8 says. I considered the horns, which we know they're the ten kingdoms, and behold, there came up among them another little horn. So if you have another little horn that pops among the ten kingdoms, how many kingdoms do you have? Eleven, that's right. And now notice this, another little horn, before, before whom there were three of the horns plucked up by the roots. Now a horn is a kingdom. So that means of the ten kingdoms, this little horn was going to uproot three of their own kingdoms. And that happened. And it's very interesting. Uh, this gives us a time frame to tell us not only who the horn is. I mean, if, if we know who that little horn who rose up among the ten horns, and we know that the same little horn uprooted three of the horns, and it had to appear on the scene before those three were plucked up, we would know who that is, right? And, of course, we already know who that was. Who was it? Papal Rome, right? So here's what the Bible has to say on this. And you can see there I have a picture there of a little horn, and there's no doubt it's papal Rome. So I'm going to read those little bubbles on the side there, and it gives you Bible text on, on all of these. So the, this little horn arose out of the fourth beast, which we know was Rome. It would be among the ten horns, and there's a, your Bible verses are all right there. It would arise after the ten horns, which it did. It was different from the other horns, which it is. It's smaller, it's stout, it's no longer a world empire. It's now in a division state. It looked more stout than the fellows, same thing. It uproots three of the kingdoms, which it did. Uh, spoke great words against the Most High, which it does. And it wears out the saints of the Most High. It means it attacks God's people. Sought to change times and laws. And the same horn made war against the saint. Again, Daniel chapter 7. So this little horn is only a political and a religious kingdom, but it also goes out and attacks God's people. And I don't have to tell you about the Dark Ages and the millions and millions of Christians that were slaughtered by Rome. History tells us who that was. It's papal Rome, rose up among the ten divided 
uh, divided kingdom of Rome before three of the kingdoms were destroyed or uprooted. In fact, the Bible and history makes it abundantly clear that the little horn papal Rome would be one of the one who destroyed three of its own kingdoms, the Heruli, the Ostrogoths, and the Vandals. And they're no longer. They're completely wiped out. And it was none other than papal Rome that did that. And all you have to do is go back in history to see that. So there's no question about who this little horn power is. And you might be wondering what all this has to do with 1798 and the time of the end. But it plays a big part, you'll see, as we go forward. So I'm going to begin my prophetic timeline with the, with the Ten Toes when the, when the Ten Kingdoms of Divided Pay Rome began in 476. So the next time we preach, I get on this sermon and I show you a prophetic timeline, we'll extend from here. And we will extend a little bit from here, but I just want to start the timeline there. So we're starting our timeline with divided Europe of today with a Roman influence in all of them. The spirit of prophecy tells us that the establishment of the papacy happened in 538. And that's found in Great Controversy, 1888 edition. Now history tells us the same thing. So we're not learning anything new, but I'm just backing it up with the spirit of prophecy, which says that, yeah, this papacy began its reign in 538 A.D. So with that, on the prophetic timeline, I'm going to show where the papacy begins its reign. But we still don't know where, how 1798 became the time of the end yet, but we're headed in that direction. Then we go to Daniel chapter 12, and Daniel reads, and of course Daniel was a prophet, for those who may not know. And at that time shall Michael stand up. Who's Michael? Jesus Christ. There's no question about that. That would have to be a separate study for those who are not aware. The great prince, of course, we're talking about Jesus, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that same time, the people will be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine in the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So no doubt Daniel's being told a lot about another big kind of vision from this time all the way to the second coming of Christ where the dead are raised. And of course we're all familiar with those texts. But it's very interesting that there will be a time of trouble. Now, most Adventists get confused here. They say, oh, I thought the time of trouble was during the Sunday law. Well, there is a time of trouble there, but it's not known as the time of trouble. That time is known as the time of Jacob's trouble. So don't get confused. There's a time of trouble that happened already in history, and there's a time of Jacob's trouble. So today we're looking at the time of trouble because we're told that this papacy would go after God's people, and there would be a time of trouble such as there never was on this planet. And I will tell you, there, was, there has not been since that day. If we went into all the atrocities of what papal Rome did during the Inquisition, I mean, it's just horrendous. It's just horrendous what happened. Then Daniel is told something very interesting in the very next verse, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, after he's told all these things, he says, shut up the words and seal the book, even till what? The time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So here Daniel is told that in the vision, it's sealed up. It's not going to be made known until the time of the end. So we're getting a clue 
So was Daniel living in the time of the end? He couldn't have been, right? Because he's told, listen, it's going to be sealed until the time of the end. So Daniel was, of course, Daniel was not living in the time of the end in his day. And I go on to the next verse in the book of Daniel. And then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood two others, which we know to be angels, the one on the side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? You can plainly see that Daniel wants to know, hey, when's this going to happen? I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, I certainly would. And, in, and of course, he's being told in verse 7, And I heard the man clothed with linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he had held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever and ever. Who's that? <laughs> okay, God, right? Jesus. It shall be, now we're given a clue, it shall be for a time, times, and half a time, right? And when, the, and when he, meaning papal Rome, shall have accomplished and scattered the power of the holy people, God's people, all these things shall be finished. So we're given a clue as when the time of the end will be. And Daniel said, I heard, but I understood not. Daniel still doesn't understand. What is time, times, and dividing the times? doesn't understand. He said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the what? Time of the end. So Daniel's told twice, listen, Daniel, you're not going to understand. We're not, it's not revealed right now until the time of the end. And so what do we have learned so far? Daniel showed all these things from the very beginning, the kingdoms of the world, from Babylon all the way to second Christ. Then he learns about this time of trouble, and he's wanting to know when these things are going to be. And of course, he's told that these things are sealed. And if you really think about it, Daniel would never live to see any of those things anyway. Was papal Rome there in Daniel's day? No, absolutely. And Daniel was in the time of Babylon. That's when he was. That's way back a long time ago. So it really wasn't needed for him to know at the time. But although Daniel did not understand when all these things would be, he was assured that he would stand uh, resurrected from the grave when time was fulfilled. And this is told to Daniel in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 13. But go thy way, Daniel, to the end B. Now the end B means the very end, not the time of the end. It's talking the last day, okay? For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of thy days. So Daniel is told, listen, Daniel, don't worry about it. You're going to stand on the very last day. And of course, we know resurrected from the grave in his lot on the very last day. And although Daniel did not understand what all these things would be, or when the end would be, or the time the end would be, nonetheless, he was given an answer to help those who were living in the time of the end, that's us, in the future so that we can understand that we are living in the time of the end. And the answer is found in Daniel chapter 12, verse 7. How long shall it be? To the end of these wonders, and again, it shall be for a time, times, and a half a time. So again, do we have our answer to what time, times, and half a times are? We do, don't we? At seven-day events, we do. So this is a refresher for us, okay? So we're going to get into that just a little bit. So when the understanding of what the time, times, and half a time means is when we'll understand then and know for sure that we're living in a time and an end. Because he was told that to Daniel, but he didn't understand. But we understand. So we must be living in a time and an end. So how did we learn that? Questions? 
course, we do know that we are living in the time of the end. The Bible tells us that time, time, and half a time, a day in prophecy represents a year. That's found in Numbers 14.34 and Ezekiel 4.6. And I quote the scriptures from Ezekiel. I have appointed each day for a year. So a day in a prophecy represents what? One year. Okay. So time represents one year. Times will represent two years. And half a time would represent six months. And so you have those days, 360 days, 720 days, and 180 days. If you add those days up, you come out with exactly 1,260 days. So in this case, we'll know the answer if we can understand when the beginning of the 1,260 days began and when it ended. But can we be sure, can we be sure about the 1,260 days? Can we be sure that interpretation is correct? And you can know. This same time period is mentioned seven, seven times in the book of Daniel and Revelation. Okay, so I just, I lift, the scriptures are there. Three times is times, times a half a time. Twice is 42 months. And twice is literally 1,260 days. So if you take the times, times, half a times, right? 360, 360 times two, half of 360, you get 1,260. If you take the 42 months using the Jewish months, because their months had only 30 days in a month, times 12, and you say you take 42 months times 30, you come up with 1,260 days, and also it is literally given in the Bible as 1,260 days. And all of these dates, all these time frames, are dealing with the same time, the time of trouble that Daniel talks about, is talked about and revelation as well. So there's no question about it that we know it's 1,260 days without a doubt. So here's a big question then. When did the 1,260 prophetic years begin? And the answer is given in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. And he, again, papal Rome shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and law, and they shall be given into his hand until a times, times, and dividing us time. So the beginning of this is the beginning when Papal Rome became in power, and that's when the persecution began. That's the beginning. I hope that you can see that if you do say amen. So God's people were given a Papal Rome hand uh, when the beginning of the time of trouble. And I read this, the little horn, Antichrist, was to have power over the saints for, again, 1,260 prophetic days, which we know are literal years. The role of papacy began in 538 A.D. when the last of the three opposing kingdoms, the ones that were uprooted, were uprooted. It happened after that fact. Its rule continued until 1798, when Napoleon General Barthier took the pope captive with the hopes of destroying both the pope uh, Pius VI and his political power of the papacy. This period of time is an exact fulfillment of the 1,260-year prophecy. The blow was a deadly wound by the papacy, but that wound began to heal and continues to heal to this day. The same time period of perse persecution is mentioned in Matthew 24 and 21, some of the texts that I've already given you, as the worst period of persecution that God's people experienced. Verse 22 tells us that it was so devastating that not, have, not one soul would have survived had God had not shortened it. 
That's how vicious this time of trouble was. It was so vicious and so bloody and so murderous that if God didn't shorten that time, there would have been no Christian church anymore. God's church would have been wiped out. But God did shorten it. The persecution ended when the Pope was taken captive in 1798. It is plain to see that this point like, uh, likewise fits the papacy. So and amazingly, uh, to fully understand that, if you take 538 and you go forward 1,260 years, you come exactly to 1798. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God predicted exactly when the time of the end would begin. The spirit of prophecy tells us this. Again, I show you things from the Bible, and now I'm going to show you things to reaffirm it using the spirit of prophecy. Power was given unto him, meaning papal Rome, the little horn, to continue 42 months. Says the prophet, I saw one of his heads. It was wounded to death. And again, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. And the pope was taken into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. And the pope died in captivity. The 40 and 2 months are the same as the times, times, and dividing in times, three years and a half, or 1260 days of Daniel chapter 7. The time, worn, the time, I'm sorry, the time during which the papal power was oppressed God's people. This period, as stated as preceding chapters, began with the establishment in the papacy in 538, that's the beginning, and terminated in 1798. At that time, when the papacy was established and the Pope made captive by the French army, the papal power received its deadly wound and the prediction was fulfilled. And it was fulfilled. And I find that absolutely amazing. To make, to make no mistakes about it, friends, the papal Rome began its prediction, uh, its beginning in 538. And if you can just, with your calculator, you can do it. You just take 1798, you subtract 538, and you get 1,260 years. So there's no question about it. And that's how the time of the end began. So the time, of the, uh, the time of the end didn't begin before that. Something else to think about, Jesus is not going to return because all, all the things that we learned, even the resurrection, wasn't going to happen until the time of the end. So even during the time of the crucifixion, it wasn't the time of the end yet. It, wasn't ha it didn't happen until the papacy, the beast of Revelation 13, became in power persecuted God's people, and then we're told when that ends, the time of the end beginning. You know you're in the time of the end. And there's no question about it, brothers, Jesus is coming soon. We are living in the time of the end. In fact, we're told in the spirit of prophecy, since 17, 1798, the book of Daniel has been unsealed, and the knowledge of the prophecies have increased. Is that not true? We have knowledge of things that we have today that Daniel didn't know, and the, and the disciples didn't know, and some of the mighty people of God didn't know. But, but they also saw Jesus, and they saw many wonderful things. Not to belittle that in, in, in no way. So friends, Jesus is coming very soon. We're living in the time of the end. And so I'm going to add that to the prophetic timeline. The time of the end began in 1798. So it's just I find it very interesting, all the way up to the Pope received its deadly wound. The time of the end began in 1798, and that really wasn't that long ago. You might as well say 1800, 1798. It really wasn't that long ago, you think about it. In fact, I put on here that my great-grandfather Moses, you didn't know my great-grandfather was Moses, did you? But my great-grandfather Moses Cove, 
was born in just 1865. It's just not that long ago. And there's so much more that's happening since then. And I can't wait to show you in the next sermon that I do on where we're at in the prophetic timeline. But I had to build this faith. You had to see that we're living in the time of the end. And so I know this really is a refresher because we all knew this at one time. But I think it's fascinating that before 1798 was not the time to end. We are living in prophecy that's rapidly fulfilling. Natural disasters, economic chaos, strife among the nations, diseases and pestilences. I mean, we can go on floods and hurricanes, all the things that we were told. And just to refresh, remember, why are these things happening? Because we're told that in the time of the end, the Lord would be withdrawing his spirit from the world. And as he slowly withdraws the spirit from the world, the four winds are being let loose and all the chaos that we're seeing in the world. And as the Holy Spirit is slowly being withdrawn, it's the only thing that's kept this world from coming unraveled. It's been God's spirit. And the only thing that's kept this world, and the reason why God has kept his spirit to keep in the world to be unraveled, because God saw every one of you that he wants to bring you into his kingdom. He wants you to know the truth. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to understand the plan of salvation. We live in very serious times, brothers and sisters. Do not get so wrapped up in this world that you forget where we are prophetically. Because we are, we are told by God that we need to what? And pray. He's coming very soon. Thank you. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, yes, that is the plan of salvation, that Jesus living in each and every one of us. May that be the high calling, Lord. That is our high calling, Lord, that you write your law in our hearts and we surrender our wills to you, Lord, so that you can do that. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation, Lord, but to lean upon you. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can do of our own power to keep God's law. Only you can do it. As you said, Lord, only by me, without me, you can do nothing. And we're also told in the spirit of prophecy that the spirit was given it's the third person of the, of, the Holy, of the Trinity in order to keep us from falling, Lord. Not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let us continue to completely surrender ourselves to God and, and give ourselves surrendering our will, our imaginations, our thoughts, Lord. Let us forever lean on you. Let us never forget that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, Lord. But we do desire to cooperate with you in the plan of salvation so that, yes, Lord, that you can be revealed in us. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that can only make things possible so that when you come in the clouds of, of glory, Lord, that we will be ready and you can take us to heaven. We know that we must be born again and that we must be spiritual. We need to walk in the spirit. We need to mind the things of the spirit. For it's only spiritual people that you're coming to take to the kingdom, Lord. Let us never forget that. Let us never lose focus on why we are the remnant people of God, and you have given us these mighty truths, Lord, so that we know that you are, <laughs> you are our God and you love us so dearly. And help us also to spread these beautiful truths to our brothers and sisters, your sons and daughters in this world. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.